Do y'all recognize that not only is this a weekend that's given to the amplification of the occult and evil and Satan, not only do we talk about it this weekend, but the reality is if you're not living with your head in the sand like an ostrich, you're seeing evil all around you. In the last few months and, and even the last couple of years, it, it's, it's really frightening if we don't have God. If we're not walking with Him in faith, it's, it's amazing how things are changing all around us. The enemy's fighting marriages. He's got you in the crosshairs. He's winning in a lot of ways because we're, we're just cashing in uh, without fighting and without really finding out what God has to say. Who would have ever thought we would have seen a moment in time when a mob of people would storm a national building, a monument, and break out windows and doors? I mean, it was anarchy for that moment. I don't know if that grieved you, but it really grieved me. Who would have ever dreamed we would have seen uh, uh, people fleeing from a place like Afghanistan and hordes of people trying to hang on an airplane to get out of there fearing for their lives? It's right. The song is right. It's the reason I felt like it was time to preach. There are wars and strife on every hand. But not only that, the enemy's ravaging lives and families and children and young people. There's the young lady in our church. She was in the choir that posted. She walked in her Christianity class in a college nearby only to hear that hell's not real. Rapture's not going to occur. You know, taking away from understanding the authority of God's Word. That's the day we're living in, y'all. And I'm not telling you anything because a lot of you in your family, you're seeing the devil rear his head. And evil is on every side. Now, I mean, you know me, you know I don't like to talk much about negative and evil, but I do want to tell you the truth. And I, I told Pastor Cameron this last year of my, uh, of my ministry, I want to spend some time in some texts that I believe have been benchmark moments for our fellowship. And this morning, I want to preach a little bit on how to stand when evil comes. I'm going to talk about standing when evil comes. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. I, I woke up this morning with two verses on my mind. I'm going to give them to you in just a minute. They're a part of my daily prayer. But it was like the Lord said, you know, how, how sensitive are you to me? How willing are you to, to uh, preach something that you've not really studied in quite some time? That might be evident in just a minute or two. But I just want us to look carefully at, as a believer, when the enemy comes after you and after your family and after your community and after your culture and after your church, what are you going to do? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, I'm very grateful to be home. And, Lord, we are very thankful to be in your presence and to feel your spirit in this moment. We thank you, Lord, that redemption is drawing nigh, but until it does, we know what your word says at times, and things are going to grow worse and worse. They're not going to get better, Lord. We know that by your word. We also know that, that in this world down here, we're not going to bring the kingdom in, but you're going to catch us away one of these days into a heavenly kingdom. So, Lord, in these moments, would you help us through your word? Holy Ghost, you speak through your servant, your truth this morning. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 10 in your Bibles. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand, look at this, against the wiles, say the next part with me, of the devil. 
Now look, look, you're living in the culture where everybody's telling you uh, that he's not real. That there's not really any, uh, any real devil. But their Bible declares that not only is he very real, but he existed long before this world was. In the heavens, you've read the text as I have. There was a war in heaven. There was a battle engaged for who was going to be in charge. He was one of the angels. Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer was there. And he decided to lead a rebellion against God to which he was cast out of heaven. He, along with those angels that followed him, became the demon hordes of this moment right here. It's why when these moments come like, you know, we, I, I'm glad, by the way, for the record, I'm not against uh, this little, it's not a real holiday to me, but it's, I'm not against us having fun. I like the way we've redeemed the holiday. We did it last weekend. You notice how we don't, we don't do it on the day of it usually. We, did, we like to get ahead of everything, and we like to have fun, and we eat candy, and we hang out with our friends and, and put on crazy-looking costumes. But the reason why we don't emphasize the frightening part of it and the scary part of it is, it's not a game. It's very real. And there is a different underworld. And right now, the devil and his angels, the demons, are not in hell. They are very much involved in this, in this world. They are the, he's the prince of the power of the air. We're going to see that in just a moment. Look at your Bibles. He said, um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our, our battle's not with man, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You talk about frightening some people. If we could see the way things are organized right now, if we could see into the atmosphere the, the uh, darkness that is there, the organizational, that's what principalities and powers, rulers are about. There are rulers of evil over different communities and there are rulers of demons and principalities. There are those that follow them. And then there are hordes of those that trouble us on every side. Thanks be to God, though. Get ready. Here's a good place for an amen. Thanks be to God for the victory that we have in Him. We know that we are victorious. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. But it shouldn't surprise us that the culture is moving away from everything God said. And everything God's will is. And it's easier for us, first we watch it on TV and we laugh at it. And then we are consumed in culture with periodicals and movies. I was with a young boy in this church not long ago. And he's fascinated with, with, uh, with the dead, with uh, zombies, with those kind. By the way, can I just go ahead? I, I'm older anyway, and I don't, it don't matter if I make you mad. I'm on the way out, you know, from being the leader. Can I tell you I love you? I love you, but there's a lot of folks in this church that have no idea the danger of allowing your students and your kids and your own mind. If you're watching horror movies around this time of the year, I'm going to tell oh, well, I just like it. It don't bother me. Oh, it affects you, all right. You don't think it affects you, but it affects you. And I want to tell you, listen to me, and I, I, want, I want everybody to know it. I want our preachers to know it. I want our deacons to know it. I want everybody to know it. We have no business messing with the devil. We never have had, and all this stuff is not a game. It's not something that's funny. It's an evil darkness that is pervading the culture and the world that we're in right now. And it's, it's gotten worse 
and worse and worse. You can pass that off as the, as the musings of an old man. Or you can one day wake up and realize that your mind's been affected. And you've been desensitized to something that is very frightening and very dangerous. Look at your Bibles again. Verse 13. Wherefore. Well, let me make sure I get that. I'm going to read that verse 12 one more time. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. against the, I'm reading the inspired word of God right here. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Because of evil, he said, there's a, there's a weaponry that you're to have. Look at this. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Look at the next phrase. When? In the evil day. Did you see that? Now look, again, look at this. And having done all to stand, stand having your loins girt about with truth, God's word, having on the breastplate of righteousness, Jesus, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. By the way, even in the moment, listen to me, when Satan is in control and he is somewhat in control. I just caught a glimpse of one of my friends in this room that's in law enforcement. If you don't believe the devil is alive and well, sit down with one of them today. Sit down with some of our first responders and listen to the stories of what they face day after day. But in that moment, according to the Bible, if we have on our, if we're in Christ and we have our armor on, we can live in peace even when we're in an evil day. Did you see that? Look at this. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look at this. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench, here it is again, these fiery darts. You know, some people don't even know they got holes all in them right now. He's been throwing darts, and they're fiery ones. You got kids and grandkids, and those fiery, he said, if you have on this shield, you're going to be able to quench those fiery darts of the wicked, the wicked one. And Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. How's your prayer life? Are you prepared for that moment of demonic attack? If you're not praying, you're not. If you're not putting on your armor, you're not. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not ready. And it'll be in those moments that you're least prepared that the fiery dart will come out of nowhere. You can believe that or not, but I've observed it over my whole ministry. And I want to tell you, I've watched those fiery darts take out marriages and I've watched them take out families, and I've watched them take out men, and I've watched them take out women. I've watched them be just a skeleton of themselves and struggle and struggle and struggle, all because they didn't take serious the reality of evil. But what are we going to do when evil temptation comes? Well, let me give you three or four responses, three or four um, action points. Number one, I want to tell you, first of all, let's look at where does evil come from? Where does the evil temptation come from? This text gives us a clear answer to this. It comes from Satan. It comes from demons. I was mentioning in the early service, <clears throat> there's a man, he's dead now, used to be over a Christian periodical. His name was Curtis Hudson. And he, uh, he did a whole series on cassette tapes. Young people, those are little plastic piece of plastic. Stick them in this little, turn the volume on. And the series was called... Uh, demonology 
people are buying those tapes. Somebody came to me and said, I have a series of those tapes. Would you like them? I said, no, I don't like them. I don't want them. And if I had them, I'd burn them. You know why? I don't. I have a healthy fear of God first. And I have some fear related to the enemy. I don't want to study him. I want to study Jesus. He's victorious. I don't want, I don't want, I'm not, and I would encourage you to do it. This message is a one-time lick. I ain't going to say anything about this the remainder of my time together. And I doubt, unless he comes to it in the text, he's going to spend much time in a series on the devil. But yet, we do need to be warned. Where does it all begin? Well, it starts with Satan. I've already told you the story. That's how he got cast out of heaven. If you're honest, you know there are moments you walk into some environments, and if you're spiritually discerned and you're walking with God, you feel evil. There's some places I walk in, and I feel there's times when I wake up and I feel evil in the room. I know he hates you. He hates me. By the way, those principalities and powers, they know your name if you're a believer. They know your name if you're an unbeliever. There's an effort, listen to me, to doom and damn every member of your family to hell. That's what John says. They've come to kill and to steal and to destroy. That's their purpose. And so understand this morning as I sound this alarm, where does it all come from? It don't come from somebody you're mad at. It doesn't come from politics. Who's behind all of this? It's Satan. Where does the evil temptation come from? Number two, how do we prepare for these moments? Keep your finger here and turn back to, uh, to the book of 1 Peter real quick. 1 Peter chapter 5. Some of you are very familiar with this text. 1 Peter 5 talks about the reality of this and how to prepare for this evil day, this evil uh, moment. <clears throat> Pastor, you're against everything. No, I'm not. I'm against the devil. I'm against anything evil that's hurting our young'uns and grandkids and, again, and hurting our churches and hurting the co- And I watch it, by the way. I go in churches where the devil has stuck his nose in and caused conflict between two families, and then they become ten families, and then they divide right down the middle. I watch them where they run the preacher off, and then the church goes down to a little nodule somewhere and ends up losing its influence and its power. I watch conflict within denominations and individuals that want to fight rather than want to love God and go after the gospel. Listen, I'm talking about he's very real. And how in the world, Pastor, we know where it comes from. It's Satan. How do we prepare for this kind of, of temptation, this kind of evil? First Peter chapter 5 and look at verse 8. Be sober, be awake, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And then I want you to notice the next phrase. It's pretty important. You prepare by being aware and being awakened and anticipating, because if he's not on you now, if he's not troubling your family now, if he's not taking out a member of your family, if they're not addicted to the point where they can't think and their mind is numb, where they can't receive the gospel, if depression and anxiety and all the overwhelming evil has come and hasn't overwhelmed you at this point, if it's not come now, it's coming later. And you're not exempt, and I'm not exempt. When I look at this, I notice this phrase, verse 9. He said, whom, talking about Satan, 
Resist steadfastly in the faith. How in the world am I going to prepare? I'll tell you how you prepare. Walk with God. And while you're walking with Him, resist while you're in the faith. Make sure you're saved, number one. If you're not saved this morning, you need to get born again. And you need to get born again right now. You say, preacher, I'm saved. Well, if you are, do you have any fruit? Do you love the Word of God? Do you love the saints? Are you walking with God? Or you look the same way you used to look before you said you got saved? If your life's never changed, it's not that you need to get rededicated. You need to get born again. And if you get born again, your life's going to change. He said, resist the enemy steadfast in the faith. As you're steadfast in the faith, resist him. You know, I grew up with a term, this was the term I heard, rebuke the devil. Rebuke the devil. I got news for you, friends. Nowhere in this Bible have I found where a Christian is exhorted to rebuke the devil. I'll tell you what I have found. I found several times where he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Whom resist in the faith. You know what? I'm no match for him. And I got news for you. You're no match for him either. There was one that was a match for him. His name was Jesus. He went to a cross. Genesis testified to it in a way of a prophetic word. He crushed his head on the cross. I can't crush his head. You can't crush his head. But Jesus can take care of him. You know who's to rebuke the devil? Jesus is to rebuke the devil. When the devil is involved, when demons are involved, when evil is involved, run to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your help on this. Jesus, you take care of this. Whom resist? steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The devil's having a heyday everywhere. I read stories, some of our missionaries in training here in this church, our young people read stories and share stories with me, missionary stories of how in villages, in dark places in Africa and Asia and all over the world where the enemy has taken over. And unusual, supernatural things began to happen. Not because God did it, but because of evil and Satan and occultic things are done. I'm not trying to scare you. Don't be scared. Know God and walk with Him. And the fear can be gone and the peace can take its place. But if you don't know God, there ought to be a healthy fear of evil. Where, where does it come from, Satan? How do we prepare for it? First Peter 5, be awake, anticipate, stand Walk with God, resist in the faith. Number three, I want you to look at, this is my text pretty much. I want you to turn back over to, to Mark chapter, chapter 9. Some of you have heard me talk about these weapons before. But I want to talk about the weapons for the church. I'm going to give you those two verses in a minute that the Lord used this morning in my life. But I'm going to give you four weapons for your family. I'm going to give, hey, I'm going to give you four weapons this morning for your mind. Might want to write them down. Might want to put them in your phone. Four weapons for your family. Four weapons for this church. <clears throat> There's a scene here. In this text, Jesus has been on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he showed his glory. He's transfigured before them. They get a glimpse of the glory. But while the glory's going on up there, guess what's going on down in town? A man comes walking up. Look at your Bibles. Verse 14, Mark 9. When Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld Jesus, him, 
were greatly amazed and running to him saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Defending his, his own, his own uh, disciples. And one of the multitude answered and said, this was not the scribes. By the way, it's interesting, they didn't say a word. Did you notice that, Pastor Cameron? Those scribes didn't open their mouths. In the presence of Jesus, all that the law they knew wouldn't help them a minute in this moment. They didn't say a word, but i tell you who did speak up. The boy's daddy spoke up. He said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. He, he's struggling. He can't, he can't speak. Where, wheresoever he taketh him, this spirit within him, he teareth him, or he was seizing, and he foams and gnasheth in his mouth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So you got to imagine, before Jesus came down, here's a disciple standing around him. They may have prayed. They may have laid hands on him. I don't know what they did, but whatever they did, nothing happened. The boy just kept on in his fits. And the Bible says, verse 19, and Jesus speaks. Listen to this. It's so sweet. He said, oh, faithless generation. Who's he talking to? He's talking to that boy's daddy. He don't have faith. Who else he talked to? He's talking to those disciples. They didn't have enough faith to help him. He's speaking to the scribes and all of them standing around there. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long am I going to have to be here telling you this? How long shall I allow or suffer you? And then he said this, one of the sweetest phrases in the Bible. You see it? Bring him unto me. Bring him to me. Well, there's not a better work in the whole world than bring people to Jesus. You can learn everything you want to learn. Be so fat with knowledge, you waddle around. But you don't bring people to Jesus. You think you're spiritual. Listen to me, church. We ought to be bold in our witness. In a day when it's evil and the evil man, the evil one is all around. In an evil day, this is the day for us to invite people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Welcome them into the family of God. He said, bring him here to me. And they brought him unto him. Look at this. And when he saw him, this was like the devil's last hoorah. As the, the spirit sees him, he straightway tears him or he seizes again. And he fell on, it, on the ground, wallowing and foaming at the mouth. Look at this, verse 21. And he asked his father, Jesus looks over to his dad while all this is going on. And he says, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And his daddy said, of a child. And oft times it cast him in the fire and oft and in, and, and into the waters to destroy him. And look, he's probably had burn. I've said this every time I've ever come to this text. If he'd been thrown in the fire, not just one time, but often. If he'd been thrown in the water to try to drown him. Hey, look, I'm, I know some people in this room that the enemy wanted to take you out. He didn't want you to live. He didn't want you to have joy. He didn't want you to get saved. He didn't want you to have a godly home and family. He didn't want you to be in this church. If he had his way, he would have done to you. And what he wanted to do was kill this boy. The only one problem, there stood somebody in the way of him taking this boy out. And who it was, it was Jesus. He said from a child of a child. And then the man speaks up and he says something that shows his cards. He said, but, looking at Jesus, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. If I'd have been there, I'd have said, you idiot. I probably would have said that to him. You're standing right here in front of the Son of God. You, at this point, he has no faith. 
If you can help us, then help us. By the way, when you pray, don't ever say that to God. You're wasting your breath. If you can help us, I want to go ahead and tell you, according to this word, this Bible, He can help you with everything. If thou canst, He said, Lord, look at this. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, here's my four. Are you ready for this? Here, here's the four weapons. Number one, his word. His word is the first weapon, maybe the most powerful one. Look at this. He said, Jesus said uh, unto him, if thou canst believe. Kind of like a, he put it, put it back on him. Did you see that little play on words? Man said, if you can, Jesus said, uh-uh, if you can. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The word of God, it cannot be separated from faith. You can't have faith without the word of God. If you have the word and you believe the word, you're going to have faith. These two go together. Finish this with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... Look here. When God begins to speak, and I'm on this subject right now in my meetings. If you want to know God's will on a matter, get God's word on the matter. When God speaks to you that truth, you can hang your hat on it. It may not happen today, or it may not happen tomorrow. It may not even happen in your lifetime. But when God speaks, it's truth. And when God reveals that truth to you and quickens that truth to you, it brings faith. But it starts with the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, church. If you're not in the Word, you're not a man of faith. We must spend time alone with God in His Word. Dad... How much time have you been in God's Word this week? Oh, I'm busy. Are you too busy for Him? You, are you too busy to get your weapons ready? If you knew somebody was coming to your house to hurt your family, I promise you, you'd load up everything you've got. You'd be loaded for bear when they come to the door. This is more important than that. The Word. Let's look at the second weapon. Look at this. After Jesus speaks, look at the difference in this man's response Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Weapon number two, you ready for this? Faith, faith. The word and faith. When I come to your house this week, after going through the hardest battle you two have ever been through in your life, and your son-in-law and your grandkids, I looked over there to see if that book was still sitting right by your chair where it always sat when I got there. I can tell without even asking that you're still getting in it every morning the way you were since the Lord saved you and changed you wicked life you had back before. You remember it? You testified to it, so I can sell it. When the Lord changed you, He put you in that Bible. He put you in that Bible. And it's the Word of God that sustains you in a moment like this. It's where you get your faith to be able to take the step the next day. Put your clothes on and go to church on Sunday morning after sending your daughter home to heaven. I'm talking about weapons. When the devil comes to fight or when life comes, weapons for the church, the Word of God is first. Faith is number two. Look down a little further. The Bible says after he said that, boy, everything began to change. Jesus saw, verse 25, that the people came running together. 
And then he rebuked the foul spirit. Notice he rebuked the faithless before he rebuked the foul spirit. But then Jesus speaks up and he hammers the devil. That demon that was inside of that boy, he rebukes him and says, look, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, he can't hear or, or speak. I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Boy, I like that last part. Not only did he say get out, but he, I'm, he's going to get saved today and you ain't ever going to come back in there again. By the way, if you've ever had a devil, and there have been people in this church that have had them. I've seen some walk in the door, I believe, with them. If you've ever been around where the enemy was controlling everybody, you get somebody saved, or, or, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to get born again. Because when you get saved and you're sealed under the day of redemption, Jesus lives in you and there's no room for you to be possessed any longer. You're possessed of another one who's greater. And his name is Jesus. He come out of him. The Bible said the Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead. He lay there. People even said, in so much that many said, he's dead. Everybody. Boy, that's all the, boy, I, that had to be some of the Baptists. He's dead right there. No, he's not dead. People want to see the negative. He's dead. No, he's not dead. Then Jesus, look at verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come, by the way, I like between 27 and 28, there's a lot of, I could write a whole, if the Lord would let me, I can only imagine what happened between 27 and 28. He didn't just run right from there to the disciples being in the house. Oh, no, no, no. You think that boy's daddy stood there when he lifted up his son and he no longer had the devil. He wasn't foaming at the mouth no more. He wasn't struggling anymore. He wasn't looking for a pond to jump in or, or a fire to jump in. You don't think that daddy was excited? I believe not only he jumped up and down, I believe the disciples jumped up and down. I think there was joy going, hey, maybe that's where the young people get it when they try to jump up and down when they're worshiping. I don't really care for it, but don't smile about it. Smile about it like it might be right. Uh, when, when somebody gets healed like that or saved, then maybe we'll jump. But not all this jumping all the time, Pastor Chuck. But here's what I want you to know. Listen to me. I want you to know there was joy in that environment. Are you hearing me? There was joy in that moment. Jesus had delivered a man from death to life. He would never be the same. Hey, his daddy won't ever be the same. His community's going to know about it. They won't ever be the same. You just wait till Wednesday night for those of you there that love the word enough to be back to Wednesday. I got a story for you on something miraculous that God did in one of these revivals two years ago that's still going on in the state where I just was. By the way, when I got to that word, I didn't say this, but I'm telling you the word is so important. I'll just go ahead and plug this while I'm at it. I believe we ought to be underneath the word every chance we get. Did you know there's 168 hours in every week? 168 hours in every week. And we almost act like we hang our head and we ask people to come on Sunday and then come back Wednesday. And come to a small group. Well, if you can. If you can, nothing. Man, the devil's at work. You need the Word of God. We're going to give you the Word here on Sunday. We're going to give it back to you on Wednesday. Our pastor's going to unpack it in every environment. We're going to have classes in it. Quit making excuses and get under the Word of God. <laughs> That's good preaching. I had to do it myself. The Word and faith. Watch this. Oh, I'm so busy. What are you busy doing? What's more important than that? Look at this next part. The Bible says, after all the celebration, verse 28, and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. They pulled him over. Jesus, I want to ask you something. Why could we not cast him out? And here's these last four weapons. <clears throat> he said, this kind cometh not out but by prayer. Number three, prayer. 
Did you know I, I have to testify? I struggle in my prayer life most of my ministry. You've heard me say it. Up and down, up and down. Until one day in that chapel over there, 25 years ago, I imagine it was, Kenneth Ridings, that old man of God, rolled in here, preached a whole week. Some of y'all nodding your heads. You were in those meetings. He phrase by phrase walked through the model prayer in Luke 11, Pastor, and I was never the same, and a lot of this church was never the same. My prayer life goes deeper. I don't just run through those phrases. I put meat on every one of them bones now, and God has taken me to a place in prayer. And every morning, if not every single morning, most every morning, maybe missing one or two in all these years, This kind goes not out but by prayer. You've got to walk in humility and you've got to walk in communion with God for this weapon. Now, <clears throat> some of your translations leave out an important word here. In fact, I think it's pretty important, so important. It's why I keep the translation I have. And I ain't going to preach on it. I'm just telling you, I have confidence in this one. By the way, this is the primary text of this church. It's the primary text of the Sunday school, right, James? It's what we're to read, our text from. It's okay to refer to, study from, share other. But this has been it. It says, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. <clears throat> I'd wonder and worry just a wee bit if that don't say it that way in your Bible. Because I would say this is a pretty important truth. Prayer and fasting unlocks doors. Miracles happen when God calls us to fast. The Bible has much to say about it, not just in this text. But the fourth weapon I see is fasting. And I know not everybody can do it the same way. But I've heard all my life, Pastor, I'd like to, but I can't. I'm taking medicine. You don't think you can miss one meal? If I don't eat something with my pills, I'll just, what you going to do? Well, the doctor said I'm going to fall out. You go talk to him. You see this important as it is. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now let me give you my two little verses and I'm done. This morning, my message on going back to Bethel, the Lord said no. Do you pray, in the morning I pray the prayer of Jabez. Uh, bless me indeed. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. That's part of my prayer every day. I pray it something like this, Lord. He prayed it his way, I pray it my way. I don't have to be like Jabez. I, he said, bless me indeed a lot. Enlarge my coast, Lord. I say, Lord, for your glory, for the gospel of Jesus, for grace for others, and for my good too. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, my influence, my opportunities for the gospel. That your hand might be with me. And then I, I never even thought about this phrase. Keep me from evil. And the Lord just amplified that as I prayed. Keep us from evil. It's Halloween, the world says. Keep us, Lord. Protect us. Put a hedge around us. Keep us from evil and the evil one. That I may not grieve you. You know what? Evil grieves God. I don't want to grieve you, Lord, or anybody else. And that last part, you may have forgotten it. Maybe the model prayer is important to you but not a part of your daily routine. Listen to this. Our Father who art in heaven, Luke, Luke uh, 11, verse, about verse 4b. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Remember this part? Hey, say this with me. And deliver us from... Don't say that and then turn them shows on. Don't say that and then let the culture influence you. Remember your series on being a Daniel in a Babylon world? Deliver us from evil, Lord. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I, I don't know what all God's saying this morning to all of us. I just know this. He had a word for us this morning on, on evil. And this morning, I kind of wanted to turn it on the devil. He's been getting a lot of press, a lot of airtime this whole weekend. Well, I want us to talk about Jesus. I hope mamas and daddies will sit around the table today with their children. I hope we'll evaluate what we're seeing and what we're doing and where we're going. And we won't inundate with any kind of attractiveness things that have an evil edge. Or even laugh at things that will cause us to be desensitized to a very real darkness that exists. Pastor, are you negative? No, I'm not. Are you a pessimist? No, I'm not. No, thank God Jesus came. Glory to his name. Oh, what a friend is he. He so freely gave his own life to save from bonds of sin set free. He'll set sinners free. He set me free. He set some of you free. All of us just about it. And I want to tell you something. We got glory now and we can look forward to it as we walk in Christ. But this world doesn't have that. We don't need to let the world and the enemy slide into our homes and families. In fact, we need to take Jesus to this world. Our pastor said last week, before we engage the community of faith, one another, we need each other for this, by the way. Before we engage community outside, we need to have communion with God, with Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, you're lost, you're not saved, and you know it. I would encourage you to do one of two things. I think it's beautiful, and I still see people walk down aisles. We still have it happen here sometimes. If God's spoken to you and you can't wait a minute longer, I hope you'll come down these aisles where one of these ministers will meet you and take the Bible. If you're a lady, one of our ladies will take the scriptures and share with you and walk with you to a point of repentance where you can, before you leave here today, have your name written down in heaven. But if you're saved and you have felt this oppression, this darkness and evil, that you'll engage with God in these four weapons, that you'll trust Jesus in these moments, you'll resist the enemy and you'll run to Jesus. Father, have your way now in this invitation. May thy will be done. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to unite with this church or follow you in baptism and they come forward to make that public, thy will be done in all of it, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you. Thank you for this fortress you've given us. Lord, I pray you keep your hand on us. Keep him out. Keep evil out.